doesn't feel real, but the more I talk about it, the more real it does feel. I've mentioned it to a couple people that, you know, I, you know, I might be ready for a pivot in my career. And, and, and the more I say those things and the more I do in this space versus my marketing space, the more real it feels. Welcome to The Signal Podcast, the podcast that raises your frequency. I'm Maury Fontanez, purpose coach to some of the leading voices in our culture today, from top CEOs to Hollywood stars, best-selling authors to world-class artists. In coaching these incredible humans, one truth has become abundantly clear. No matter who we are, we all carry pain, joy, and the desire to feel connected to a sense of purpose. This podcast is my way of extending some of the powerful lessons of my proven method to you so that hopefully you too can be inspired to heal the white noise of your limiting beliefs and tune into the signal of your intuitive wisdom. Welcome to Signal. For all you practical listeners out there, we have an incredibly accessible and practical session for you today. Today's session is with Val. She is a single mom of two who works in marketing. She's been divorced for just over three years. And today's discussion is about a desire she has to make a career shift when all of the voices around her are telling her that based on her success, that is a crazy thing to do. Hey, Signal listeners, thanks for tuning in to season two. A couple quick disclaimers before we get started. Maury is not a licensed therapist, and this is not a therapy session. Intuition and purpose coaching with Maury is usually a six-month process, and what you're about to hear is just a snippet of what these sessions sound like. That said, this is a real coaching session with real people featuring real strategies that Maury uses in her method. All right, let's get to today's episode. So Val, if we were to fast forward an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, what do you want to say that you walked away from this session with? Probably a, a, a sense of, of confidence, more confidence in myself and potentially uh, a blueprint or some semblance of a plan to start to tackle some of the things that I've been wrestling with. All right. So let's go right into the wrestling match. Who are our opponents? What are we wrestling with? Ah. So I think our opponents are, well, myself. I'm wrestling myself. Um, And I also think I have, it's so weird because I feel like I've talked uh, to my therapist about this, this um, expectation that my family, I I think my family has of me, specifically my mom. Um, I think my mom always wants me to, you know, she always says she wants me to be happy, but I think at the end of the day, she wants, she, she wants me to be safe. She wants me to be secure. And I think the idea of shifting a career shift at this age in my life, I can almost like hear her saying all the things to me, like, really, but you're doing so well. Why would you change? Why? Like, I thought you were happy. So I think that's, if I had to really actually pinpoint it, I think my mom is a big part of it. Okay. So let's talk about the change. You talked about being in marketing and you enjoy it, like the company you work for. When you talk about the change, what is can you paint a picture of the change? Absolutely. So I, um, while I work in marketing, I also am lucky enough to lead our women's uh, ERG. And it's something that I kind of do on the side, but I have so much passion for, and I've found that I am really good at it. Um, and it it just gives me energy. It's It's something that if I have a list of things to do, I always want to do those things first. It is, and I actually feel kind of a change in the way our culture is because of the work that I am doing. And that's what kind of now, as I reflect upon it, what gives me energy and what I want to do more of is kind of shifting culture 
And I feel like the marketing stuff that I've done just, it, it serves me less. It, it doesn't give me as much excitement as it once did. Whereas this other work, um, my, my face lights up and, and I, people even have told me that they're like, Val, when you do this, like you can tell that you love it and you get excited about it and you want to do more of it. Right. And when you think about being able to do the thing that lights you up all the time, have you thought about what would that look like in terms of a career or a role? Do you have any kind of specifics that you can share? So I feel like it could be a role in DEI, it could be a role in HR, it could be a role in like internal branding, um, but I don't have a specific role. I think that's why it's so scary. Um, and I've been trying to talk to people about this and how to make this change and how to either look for new roles or outside of my company or talk to my company about just ratcheting up what I'm doing into more of a defined role. Um, so I've been trying to do some of those things. I've just, I've been talking to a lot of people and, and just getting ideas, but I think what makes me nervous is I feel like my current job has a shelf life in my own head, right? I, I want it, I want to move on, but I don't know, I don't have, it's not like, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to apply for a marketing role at that next level. I don't know what it is that I, I need to be doing next specifically. Because following this trajectory does have a next step, but that next step doesn't feel fulfilling to you. It, yes, exactly. So I could okay. just move up the ladder from a director to a senior director in marketing or do something different, you know, within the company, within at my level, within marketing. But I feel like once you like start a track, you just define your career, you are expected to keep following that track. And um, there's no blueprint for how to make this move. Uh, so I'm trying to figure it out on my own, but then I have my own self-doubt about, am I even good at this? Am I, you know, I, I'm, it makes me excited. I like doing it, but I'm not at all qualified or have, you know, the training that an HR person would have if, if that's what, if HR is the direction I would be going into. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it sounds like there are a number of limiting belief systems that are blocking you from exploring the reality of what you're desiring. There's a lot of stories I'm hearing that exist that are telling you that that exploration is either silly or dangerous or not responsible. Is that right? Yes. That is okay. Great. So let's get right into what I call challenging the limiting beliefs because those are the ones that are really creating these barriers for you. Right? So if I were to say to you, Val, very easily you could look to the right and find a job that's parallel in uh hierarchy, in pay, in responsibility, but is very much in the arena of culture and people, tell me all of the voices and what they're saying to that statement. When I say that to you, Val, you could go find something that's equal to what you're getting paid, equal level of responsibility, but focused completely on people and culture. What are the voices saying? So I, the voices are saying, oh, that's kind of a, are you sure you want to do that? It's kind of a, a softer area, whereas now you kind of impact business results and um, you can really see, you know, your work showing up in a TV ad or in a new product on shelf. How isn't it going to feel less fulfilling to do something that affects culture? Who really sees culture? Okay. So um, write that down for me, actually. Are you sure you want to do that? Isn't it too soft? Two bullet points. What else do they have to say? 
how, how do you know how to do that? I thought you went to school for marketing. Okay. How do you know how to do that? Write that down. And I would say the fourth one is you don't have the credentials. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Excellent. Let them keep coming. What else we have working against us? Why, why do you want to do this? I thought you really liked your job. I thought you really liked your company. I think I can even tell you who that voice is. <laughs> is that your mom? Yes. Yeah. Why do you want to do this? I thought you liked your job. Okay. So write down why do you want to do this and don't you like your job? Uh, what if you fail? What if you don't do well uh, and you want to go back to your old job? They're not going to take you back. What if you can't find a another job back in marketing. What's plan B? What if you fail? What's plan B? Any other loud ones before we start talking to them? I, I don't think so. I mean, I think if you told me that the job maybe didn't pay as well as my current job, then it would be, why the hell are you doing this? <laughs> you make great money um, and you have a family to take care of. Why would you do this? Yep. So why take a pay cut? What are you thinking? What you just heard is my asking Val to make a list and literally write down the things that her fear voice is saying about this job change. The reason that I do this and that's really important as you do this work is because we often try to run from the fear voice. We often try to bury our heads in the sand around what it's saying. And we give into it by letting those thoughts run through our heads. So we're not actually running from it. We're allowing it a lot of space in our minds. But what we don't want to do is turn and face it and just say, okay, what is it you have to say? And this is a critical step to unlocking the intuitive voice is to just let the fear voice speak up and tell us exactly what it's worried about because it does two things. One, it gives that younger self that's created these fears some attention, which is all that it's asking for. And two, when you actually write it down, it gives your higher self, your intuitive voice, something to respond to. And what we're trying to do here is create a dialogue between the two. We're going to do two things. First of all, we're going to leave these voices on stage, full spotlight on them. They get it. Um, look down this list and tell me, first of all, what are these, this voice, it's one voice, what is this voice trying to protect? What is it, how does it serve you? I think it's trying to protect the picture of myself that I've, and, and the, the, the persona that I've created over my career. So the last 20 years. Why? Why does it want to protect that? Because I've spent a lot of time and effort building it. And I, it, it feels hard to say that now I've changed my mind. Like you've spent 20 years working in something and now you're changing your mind. Like it feels like I should have I've chosen and, and I've chosen like, you know, maybe this goes back to my parents were teachers and they spent their entire career teaching literally at the same school for more than 20 years. So I, I think there's maybe an element of that. Even though I've changed jobs, I've at least stayed within marketing. And so I think there's this, you've built this thing around you. And now what are you, what are you doing? And what is that question trying to protect you from? Failure. And what is the failure going to mean? What will happen? Probably that it's 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 the voices that I of people around me kind of talking talking about me. Did you hear what Val did? She completely changed her career. She sucked at it. I don't know what she's going to do now. Um, uh, the peanut gallery. The, yes. So the 
this voice that is afraid of failure is trying to protect you from others' judgment. Yes. Okay. You said it better than I did. (laughs) What? No, I'm just trying to make sure I fully feel it. So I'm looking at you standing kind of in an arena and everyone's pointing and talking about you. When we think about being judged by other people, when you think about that, what does that remind you of? Is there a memory in there? Yes. I think there's – when I was younger – I was always kind of like the chubby kid Mm -hmm. and I always, no matter how well I did in school or excelled at, you know, activities, there was this doubt in myself because even my mom, going back to my mom, she would say, you're so pretty. If you only lost a few pounds. Um, sorry. So I think there is always this doubt in myself of it. I mean, it, it, it stems from this like physical self-doubt, but it has found its way into so many other aspects of my life. Mm. And so if I were to say, I'm not enough as I am, does that resonate? It does, even though I tell myself I am. I try really hard, (laughs) but there are parts that it just, the doubt, the self-doubt creeps in all the time. Yeah. Yeah, because the story that defines you is I'm not enough as I am. If I show up as I am, without losing the extra few pounds, without whatever it might be, that's not enough. There's always got to be a little something to make me enough. I can see it and I can hear it in your voice, the pain that that story creates and has created in that little vowel that's in there. We just heard some emotion come through here as I dug a little further on where this limiting belief system comes from that Val is not enough as she is. And this goes to show that no matter whether you are an executive or a parent or a influencer, regardless of what you've produced in your life and in your career, when we get stuck when we get stuck on that next step or when we get stuck in a place of fear, it is always, always because we are triggered to some younger version of ourselves that is stuck there too. And so this emotion is because we just touched that younger version who still literally is experiencing those stories. And this is where looking at that younger version and letting it get some of our attention really helps to unlock it a little because it's still experiencing pain and that pain is real and that pain informs the decisions we make as even high-powered executives today. So how freaking brilliant is this strategy that is trying to inform you right now. This strategy that's saying, you don't want to fail and be judged. So I'm going to put all these questions into your mind to make sure I'm protecting you from not being enough, from feeling like you're not enough. And I say that only because it's not this voice that is our obstacle. This voice is just trying to protect the sad, the vulnerable, the painful, I'm not enough. So rather than feeling that our obstacle is the, what are you doing? Why would you leave your job? How can you, right? Mm -hmm. The obstacle is, I am not enough as I am. Yeah. Because once that is healed, this voice can stop doing its job. 
it doesn't have to work so hard. It will still pop up. And I'm personally telling you that from experience. It still tries to say, hey, I have this strategy. But once this story is healed, it doesn't have anything to attach to. There's no stickiness. There's no Velcro on the other end to grab onto, right? And so if we want to kind of unstick this strategy from being so effective, we have to go into the heart of I'm not enough as I am. So my question to you is when you found the strength with two young children to leave your marriage, what was the other story that helped you to do that? So I think I, you know, after, you know, being, you know, just losing it completely for a few days, I then just dug in and I said, I, I got to do this. I'm going to figure out a way to do it. Why? Why did you have to do it? There's no other choice. Why? Uh, because I, you know, my support system is now gone and it's, it's me now. And I have to, I have to provide for my kids. I have to provide for myself and, you know, get through it. Mm -hmm. And did you believe that you could get through it when you set out to do it? You know, I, (laughs) it was, you know, I always try to plan ahead I was trying to envision what is coming next. And I could not for the life of me see what was coming next. And that sounds familiar to what you just said about this job. <laughs> right? Right. Um, okay, great. So we have some evidence. Evidence is the most important tool I use in dialogue with fear. And that is because when fear presents us with stories, it's doing it based on assumption. And the number one thing we can do is ask it for evidence. How do you know this is true? And the flip side works. When our higher self is presenting us with trust and faith, is presenting us with go forward anyway, if you ask it for evidence, it will show you how you have done so in the past, and it will show you how it has shown up to guide you. And so pinpointing these moments of evidence are really important both for your fear voice to realize that it's making an assumption and to build a stronger relationship with your higher self, your intuitive voice, who's trying to demonstrate to you through evidence the way that it's shown up in the past to guide you to a better place. So we have an actual roadmap. So you couldn't see what was coming next. No. And how did you keep walking forward? I took things one step at a time. So as I got divorced, I also, my job was eliminated. I also, so I had to figure out, all right, well, the first thing I need to do is get a new job because I need a job to provide for my kids, you know, keep this house or have a, have a house. And so I kind of focused on one thing at a time. So I knew I wanted to leave the house I was in, but I was like, I can't think about that right now. I don't even know where I would move to. I don't know what that would look like. I need to focus on the thing that's right in front of me, which is get a new job. So I did that. I had to figure out my childcare situation. So I said, you know, I need, I need more help. Um, so I ended up getting an au pair And then after that, I said, all right, I think I'm ready to move on from this house. So I put my house up. So it was one thing after another, essentially, but I only could tackle, you know, that, that next thing that was right in front of me because I couldn't see so far ahead. So I had to triage in a way. And did you do that knowing that you were, there was something on the other side? No. So no, how were you I, able to do how were you able to march into the unknown like that? It's a great question. <laughs> um I know I I think I you know just took it day by day and I just thought about what did I have to do today this week in order to kind of get that whatever I was focused on um and just break it down into manageable pieces so that I could you know, be comfortable with having a plan for whatever it is, the day, the week, 
a month. And that sounds like the opposite voice to this paralyzing fear voice. Yeah, because I'm already fast forwarding to the end goal, which I don't even really know what it is, but versus trying to step ladder there, I'm already trying to figure out what the the end point is. Yeah. So let's, we've identified a different voice. Let's just leave it at that. We won't name it, but we've identified a different force within you that was in the leadership role during and after the divorce, right? Okay. So we've got this critic, this 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 voice of protecting you from failure, this worried voice, and then we've got this other entity. We're not sure who that is yet. Let's look at the the list you made from the fear voice. Are you sure you want to do that? Is this too soft? How do you know how to do it? You don't have the credentials. Why do you want to do this? How does this make you feel? What are you feeling as you're going through this list of things it's saying? I'm mad at it. I'm mad at these voices, at these statements, right? And how do these statements make you feel? They make me want to prove them wrong. Hmm. So interestingly, like when I got divorced, I felt a lot of shame, failure, oh my gosh, all these people who are married are probably, you know, judging me for getting divorced. My mom, you know, is super upset that she was, she was more upset about my divorce than I was. But, um, at first I really kind of internalized all of those negative feelings, but then I was like, no, no, I, I, I'm going to do this and I'm going to, my kids are going to be great and I'm still going to, be happy and I'm going to find a new job and I'm going to get a, be in a great house. That's all mine. And I, I want, I just got in there and was kind of pushing all of those negative voices aside. Mm. So this, these voices have a function in waking up this other really resilient kind of, um, F you part of you. Yes. Okay. So the voices, the, the, the one that was methodical and taking things day by day and getting through things, that aspect of you, what does that one feel like? Back then? Or what does it feel like now? In general, when you think about that aspect. I love like getting in there and like getting shit done. I, I, that version of me feels productive and um, confident and happy and proud. And what I feel like now is because I'm not flourishing in my current career and because I'm not doing those things to get me to a place to do the things that light me up day in and day out, I'm in this like funk of I want to feel those things and and feel that way and like kick ass and take names, but I'm 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 not doing it in either realm. I'm not doing it in my current marketing job because I'm sort of like over it and I'm not quite there yet in my new space that I want to do. Right now, I feel like I I I know what I want to feel like and um eventually hopefully we'll get there. Mm-hmm. And that's because, and you gave this really beautiful imagery of a wrestling match. You know, really who's engaged in this wrestling match is the fear voice and this other kick-ass entity. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that are wrestling. And the fear voice is louder right now, right? But when we look at how this kick-ass entity feels, you told me it feels confident, it feels empowered. Does it feel pretty clear? Yes. Okay. Does it make you feel bad? No. On the contrary. And what does it want for you? It wants me to do the things I'm good at and the things that bring me joy. And how often do you hear that voice lately? Mm, Maybe 10% of the time. (laughs) So we are going to identify that voice as your higher self. That's your intuition. Remembering that intuition's job is to drive us toward our highest good, to drive us towards thriving. And that when it comes through, it's clear and it's empowering 
and it's not weighing us down. So you know what your intuitive voice feels like. And in fact, the other thing that we know based on evidence is that when the shit hits the fan, that intuitive voice takes over very quickly. You're right. Because I feel like my divorce, I mean, I saw it coming, but it happened and it was an event versus now I feel like it's just, it's this comfortable space that it, it, it didn't, it's not forcing me, me into any action at this point, but I need that kick in the butt to get to where I need to be. Right. And so what we can now give it permission to do is say, you don't have to wait until there's chaos to jump in. You have license to lead me now. I don't need, write this down, I don't need to wait for chaos to let my higher self lead. Val just got a mantra here that was a breakthrough for her that I bet will be a breakthrough for a lot of you listeners too, which is that we don't have to wait for chaos to call our intuitive higher selves in. We can give our higher self permission to guide us even when things are status quo, even when things feel stuck. It doesn't have to become a chaotic, explosive crisis for that calm, knowing voice to take over, which it does every single time. It also has permission to lead when things are more calm. So if that's true, then we're going to invite higher self onto this stage as well. We know what she sounds like. We know what she feels like. And she's just going to talk to me. Do not filter her, okay? I'm going to tell her what fear voice had to say. I want to hear the first response she has, okay? Okay. Is moving into a culture role too soft? No. Culture is the foundation of all any great company. Okay, so next to, is it too soft? Please write, no, culture is the foundation of any great company. Not that I'm biased given that's all I do on the business side, but I agree with you. Okay, we're going to ask her, why do you want to do this? Because you're good at it. Because I'm good at it. Okay, there you go. Because I'm good at it. How are you going to know how to do it? You don't have a degree in it. I'm smart and I can figure it out. And what is the evidence I'm asking your higher self that that's true? I've solved complex business problems and I can navigate my way through this. Write it down. (laughs) (laughs) What if you fail? You will pick yourself back up and figure out what's next, whatever that is. You And then you will have this experience to draw from. And what evidence does she have for that? Um, Because I've, she's been through jobs that have fallen through, a a marriage that has fallen apart. If it doesn't work out, there's always something else. And I'm asking just her this specifically. Were those jobs that fell through and the marriage that fell apart, were those failures? No, they were experiences. And why were they necessary? If the ultimate purpose is for you to become aligned with who you really are and to thrive. Why was the failed marriage and the jobs that didn't work out necessary? They showed me what I didn't want and what didn't serve me. And they actually made me more resilient in a lot of ways. Mm. So we have a kid who grew up believing that she's not enough and she's got to do all sorts of things that may not be in alignment with her truth because she has no license to even check in with her truth. She's got to do all kinds of things in order to make other people think she's enough. And so she did those things and those things didn't work out because the ultimate lesson I just heard you say is that they showed me what I don't want. So they showed me what it's like to live in misalignment with my truth. Yes. It doesn't make rational sense, right, that the, that the voice that's calming and empowering is the voice we hear less often. It doesn't rationally make sense, right? 
But the reason that it can't break through is because this fear voice is so loud and it is so much easier to spend time with it because it's like giving a pacifier to a baby, right? So when that fear voice, which by the way, was developed when you were really young, so think about the level of wisdom, not that I'm saying there was no wisdom as a child, but the level of life experience that that child developed these strategies from, okay? And these strategies continue to be fed by giving them attention. It's like giving a passy to a kid. So your, your mechanism is one that is not about what feels better, but what about what's easier? What am I used to? What's easier and what I'm used to is what? Status quo and just staying safe because it's what I've done and what I'm expected to do. Correct. And every time you've done the opposite, led by your higher self, what has the outcome been? A better version of me. And what do you want? A better version of me. (laughs) And I think that's why I feel like stuck right now is that, you know, my job, while it was great when I first started it four years ago, I feel like I'm at a turning point in in my life. Again, when similar to when I went through my divorce and it's, it's just this sense of not feeling fulfilled. And this time it's my career before it was my marriage, but it's, it's, it's needing to get to that next place. It's needing me to get to what I need to be next. Yes. Because when you really identify what you're good at, that's part of your purpose equation. So now this is becoming about something that's bigger than you. We're about to zone in on Val's purpose here. And as a reminder, the way that we understand purpose is through a very simple equation. The skills that we are naturally good at, plus the things that make us feel fulfilled, equals the impact we have on others. Purpose is about doing the things that come naturally to us and make us feel good and creating positive impact on the world around us. If you're really good at this element of seeing people inside of corporate cultures where their souls feel broken, where they feel unseen, right? Mm -hmm. Where they feel miserable. If you're good at seeing them and you're good at creating a shift that makes that ability to show up and make money feel better, is that about you or is that about other people? I I feel like it's about other people. Right. It fulfills (laughs) you because you're good at it and you're getting enjoyment (laughs) out of it, but the impact is on other people. Right. Correct? Yes. If that's the case, do you really have a choice? But to go help these other people with the thing you're good at? No, I want to. I I feel like it it will, it makes me feel like I'm doing more of what I should be doing and help it, you know, helping people versus making a new product, which people will probably love. But at the end of the day, it's just a new product versus truly, you know, helping someone if better thrive in their corporate environment because they have the tools and resources and support um, to do that. Right. And is that something that's needed today? I think so. So is there demand for that? Yes. Yeah. So are there jobs out there for someone who's good at that? Yes. You've been around HR people who are credentialed, are they all good at their jobs? (laughs) No. Are they highly effective in inspiring people? No. Ah. The ones who aren't good at it, do they make it worse? Yes, totally. So what good do the credentials do us? They don't. I think I just need to translate my successes and my achievements from my current career into how, why, 
I, you know, I can succeed in this type of career. Right. So take a deep breath for me. And as you do that and you are blowing out, close your eyes. Let's think about higher self that was informing every step of the divorce that had very clear answers to these questions. What is the very best next thing to do to get over the hump? I think I I think I need to take my idea of what I want in a career and present it to my own organization because I think they have seen my track record and they have seen my work. And I I think if I create this vision of what I could do for the culture in my own organization, I think that is the best way to kind of move forward and create what I, what I need and what I want. And it's, it's a way to do it. Um, It's, it's kind of the next best way to do it. Hmm. So when that thought just came to you, what did that feel like? It felt a little bit scary, but also manageable. Like it's not, you know, going out there and applying for head of HR at a random company that I don't have any, you know, any experience with or they don't know me at all. Um it feels like I am in a safer space, but at the same time pushing my boundaries and my limits and fighting for what I want. Mm. Is that not how you got through the divorce? Right, exactly. Because it had to be, I couldn't go to all the way to the end goal. I had to get to somewhere where it felt a little uncomfortable, but also manageable because I had to make progress. I had to keep moving forward. So do you have what it takes to make what feels impossible possible? Yes, I do. And you know how to do it. Yes. A reminder here that although we are going to have some light bulbs go off in this session, this is just the very first step. And if I were to be working with Val moving forward, we would pick up on every single thread that came up and really follow that thread to its root so that we're sure that we are addressing these limiting belief systems at their core and that we're developing relationship with intuition as we go. And so as much as we covered in this session, the work to ensure that this sticks is for Val to follow that thread and get to the root and for Val to do the work to really listen to intuition even when fear wants that pacifier. And so this was a lot of of great breakthroughs in one hour, but one hour is not enough. And I know Val is gonna continue these threads and that is what this work is really about, is the consistency. So it sounds like you know what to do because this higher intelligence is guiding you. And it sounds like what we need is to allow this voice to talk to the younger fear voice more often. Because when you made that list of questions and fears, this higher self had some very clear answers. It didn't take you very long, right? Right. And so rather than wrestling, can they be in dialogue? Hmm. Nobody has to win. Fear voice is a younger version of you. So does it need to win or does it need to be parented? Yeah, it needs to be it needs to be put in its place. <laughs> Not in a negative way. It needs to be educated. Right? It needs yes. to know that these things that it believes are either outdated or they are not, you know, they're too simplistic, that there's more nuance, that there's more complexity. Just like if your child came to you and told you something that was black and white, Mm -hmm. you, Val, would have to explain, well, here is some of the complexity that sits in between. Right? Right. Yeah. So the fear voice doesn't need to be told that it's going to win or lose. It just needs to be told, okay, you've got some really real questions. I'm going to answer them for you. And I'm going to keep answering them for you. 
And who's the one that's doing the answering? Higher self. Yeah. The one who knows how to methodically get through one step, then the next step, and then the next step. The one who knows how to jump off of a cliff with the unknown vastly stretched out below it and jump anyway. Yeah. So we just talked about how you can use your higher self to talk to your fear voice. How can you use your higher self to talk to your mom? I can. Sh- I, I feel like what I need to show her and tell her is, look, I've navigated changes in my life. And while they were scary before, I did it and came out on the other side successful, but also much happier. And you always tell me you want me to be happy. And you need, I know you have faith in me and you need to continue to have faith in me as I navigate this next change. Because I have faith in me. Because I have faith in me. Right? Yes. Beautiful. So you can say that, but I need you to promise me something in return. The only way that you can go say that and fully mean it is if you let go of the need for validation in response (laughs) because she doesn't have the tools to validate you. No. Because she's working from a different strategy that was sprung up from a completely different set of experiences. So the only way that saying that will feel good is if you say it and you leave it. You don't say it and wait for some moment of enlightenment from her. You say it, and even though she might say, but Val, are you thinking about this? And Val, what about the kids? You are still very centered in what you've just said. It's not about convincing. It's not an argument. It's a statement. And then I have to, I agree. So yes, I will, I promise to do that. And I I feel like I have to also ask her Not to necessarily validate, because I think you're right, she can't validate, but also to just let it, let it be. Don't constantly criticize because that feeds that fear voice and brings that little thou back. Beautiful. Boundaries. So that's boundary number one is speaking to her. I need you to not criticize. What is boundary number two if she can't help herself and she criticizes? <laughs> um, when, when and if she were to say those things, I have to have higher self bow, enter into that conversation um, with fear voice and remind the fear voice of why I believe that this, you know, higher self is is right. Yeah. And do you have to always stay and keep engaging in that conversation with your mom? No. So what does that look like? I mean, I think it looks like not avoiding her, but just letting her know that I'm working on this and I don't want to talk to her about it. Well, let's talk about other things. Let's talk about the Beautiful. kids. Let's talk about a trip. Yep. This topic is off limits. If you want to talk to me about this, this is the instruction manual for how to do it. If you can't follow the instruction manual, then we're not going to talk about it. Now, if you have a Persian mom like mine, she'll try to make you feel guilty. And what about your mom? (laughs) What about my heart? And that's when you say, I love you, mom. And I've got it figured out. But I love you and I want to engage with you on other stuff. Right? Yep. Good. So you have the strategy – and you have the evidence that you have the strategy to get through things that are the, that are unknown, that are difficult, that are scary. Mm-hmm. And all we need to do is let that strategic voice, the higher self voice, be in dialogue with the fear voice. That's it. Yeah, I think that's that difference of wrestling versus dialogue is a huge unlock in terms of it will take time. It will take that reinforcement, but it doesn't have to feel like a struggle. It, uh-huh. it is a conversation and an approach to making progress. 
versus being versus being um, at an impasse. Yes. And when you when you get into dialogue with fear voice, because you're not putting so much energy and telling it how much you hate it and you want it to go away, it doesn't hold on so tightly either. Right. Because it's a little kid. So when you're saying to this little Val, go away, you suck, she's like, but wait a minute. I want your attention. I'm trying to help you. So she she digs in harder when you wrestle with her. When you give her some loving attention, she will let go a little bit. Fair? That's fair. Yeah, perfect. You said you wanted to leave this conversation with more confidence and some clarity about a plan. Do you feel like you have that? I do. I do. Okay. Thank you. Uh, what a great session with Val and what a phenomenal reminder of what this podcast is about, which is that there is a higher intuitive self that is constantly sending a signal of truth, of confidence, of empowerment towards us in order to help us achieve our dreams and to thrive. And that it's with us all along. And all we need sometimes is just a reminder that it's there so that we can reconnect to it. And that's what I heard Val do today. And I'm really excited to see how Val builds this relationship with her higher self and allows her higher self to lead her towards what she really wants and towards a purpose that's going to create impact for others. Thanks for listening to Signal. This podcast is hosted by me, Maury Fontanez, and produced by myself, Anais Aslami, and the talented team at Terra Firma, Casey Helmick and Lauren Hall. Please join us again next week for another great episode of Signal.